My sisters and brothers, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the Pharisees, there was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps, of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, my child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus received, likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, oh, no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I would imagine that we are all familiar with the proverb, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. It's an emoji, <laughs> shows up every now and then. There's also curiously a bronze sculpture of those three monkeys in downtown Andover. Checked away in a niche along Main Street, off the sidewalk, but you walk by there and notice it. There are the three monkeys, seeing no evil, hearing no evil, speaking no evil. And it seems as though the purpose of the proverb was to suggest that if we just don't look at it, if we don't hear about it, if we don't talk about it, then we won't do it. But the scriptures today are, are actually bringing the opposite message. If you fail to see evil, if you fail to hear about evil, if you fail to speak about evil, 
You may think you are protecting yourself from it, but you may actually be allowing evil to have a life of its own. Because of course, evil thrives in shame and secrecy and hiding. Evil loves to not be noticed because then it can do whatever it wants, undetected. The prophet Amos is accusing some people of the sin of complacency in which you do not see the effects of your choices and decisions and do not see what you might be called to and be responsible for because you don't see or hear or speak about it. They're not so much condemned for their luxurious lifestyles as for the fact that they do not know and they are ignoring the suffering of many around them, oblivious to it. They're free to do, to take care of themselves as they wish. And that seems also to be the sin of the rich man. He's not condemned because he was rich, but because he never noticed that there was Lazarus living right outside his door until it was too late. So we are invited to see and hear and know the evil are present in our world, the sin in our own hearts and our complacency and complicity in allowing them to thrive and foster. I spent a good part of my week teaching my two courses, one undergraduate, one graduate course, both on the Confessions of St. Augustine, and both this week we were talking about book two of the Confessions, which has one of its most famous scenes is Augustine as a 16-year-old boy who is home from school because his parents are saving money to send him to college, and he has absolutely nothing to do. So add that up. 16 years old, at home, nothing to do. What could go wrong? Well, he tells us a lot went wrong, but what he focuses on is this one action that he and his friends engaged in one night just because they could. And they wandered into an orchard that didn't belong to them and stole the pears off a pear tree. And as he said, there was no point to it. We weren't hungry. We had better pears at home. There was no point to it. We wouldn't even eat them. We threw them to the pigs. So why did we do it? And he has lots of reasons. The first one being, because we could. The second one being, because it was fun. And the third one being, because we did it together. Somehow or another, he uses this incident to kind of expose the nature of his understanding of the nature of evil and sin in the world and how it infects us. Of course, Augustine is famous for talking about original sin and usually gets beat up for that. But his understanding of what we might call original sin was not just that first act of disobedience that we read about in the book of Genesis. 
But that act and every subsequent act in which human beings choose something that is less than good and right and true. And with each one of those acts, our ability to choose what is good and right and true becomes more and more diminished because we can't even notice what is good and right and true. And Augustine says that the antidote to this is, of course, grace. Because sin darkens our minds and hardens our hearts and weakens our wills. So that under the power of sin, we don't know what is good and right and true. And we don't want what is good and right and true. And we can't do what is good and right and true. And he would go on to say, even if your mind is enlightened and you know, but if your heart isn't engaged to desire it, you won't do it. And even if your mind is enlightened and your heart is engaged, you still might not have the strength and power and wherewithal to actually carry out the actions that love demands, what is good and right and true, unless we are enlightened engaged and empowered by the grace of God. Lazarus could not see and he couldn't feel. And so he couldn't do. We don't know if he knew if he would be better or if he felt compassion for Lazarus and he would change. But he is this example of one whose mind is dark and whose heart is cold, and whose will is weak. And with that, evil is allowed to live and breathe among us. Even in, as he's having this conversation with Abraham and Lazarus across the great chasm that now separates them when he's in torment, he still doesn't seem to get it. He still thinks Lazarus should be serving him, not the other way around. And when he makes the plea to save his brothers by enlightening their minds. And he receives the answer, but they have the law and the prophets. He wants more than that. That's not enough for us. We need someone to rise from the dead. And Jesus, foreshadowing the effects of his own resurrection, says, for some, that won't even help. Because they won't listen. They won't see. They won't hear and feel. The law and the prophets point out what is right and true and good and its opposite. And often we don't want to hear it. We don't want to say it. We don't want to talk about it. We prefer to see no evil, hear no evil, and speak no evil. With the result being that evil gets to keep being active and alive, darkening our minds, hardening our hearts, and weakening our wills.